You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. OpenAI's continuing turmoil. Crypto firm sustains API attack. Connie campaign fishes with a Russian document as bait. Lockbit's third-party compromise of Canadian government personal data. Ukraine removes senior security official under suspicion of graft. Dave Bittner sits down with Steve Winterfeld from Akamai to discuss emerging threats in the financial services sector. And Idaho National Laboratory sustains a data breach. I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel Briefing for Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. Turmoil at OpenAI continues as its workers threaten mass resignation if the board stays in place. 738 of OpenAI's 770 employees have now signed a letter demanding the restoration of ousted CEO Sam Altman and his co-founder Greg Brockman and the resignation of the board that fired them. Wired reports that the letter includes a threat to quit the company, possibly to join a new venture headed by Altman. OpenAI was founded with the mission to ensure that artificial general intelligence benefits all of humanity. In Friday's dismissal, couched as a response to what the board characterized as Altman's lack of candor, suggests that the new board believed Altman's leadership had drifted from that mission. The organization's structure was probably unstable from the outset. It's a not-for-profit research institution, self-consciously animated by an idealistic humanitarian vision that simultaneously oversaw a capped-for-profit company characterized by the aggressive and fast-moving optimism typical of Silicon Valley startups. The Atlantic has an account, based on discussions with insiders who spoke on a condition of anonymity, that suggests OpenAI was riven by two rival futurist visions, one utopian, the other dystopian, but both in their own way, representing an extreme picture of artificial intelligence's potentialities. Shortly after firing Altman, OpenAI's board approached rival Anthropic about a possible merger, an approach, the information says, that Anthropic quickly declined. Subsequent reports indicated that a number of OpenAI customers were considering moving to competitors, including Anthropic, Microsoft, and Google. For now, and pending further developments, Microsoft appears to be the winner. 
Redman hired both Altman and Brockman to run a, quote, new advanced AI research team, and the former OpenAI leaders seem likely to attract much of the talent that may defect from their old company. As recently as yesterday afternoon, however, The Verge was reporting that Altman's return to OpenAI remained an open possibility, and according to Bloomberg, that would be agreeable to Microsoft as well. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella stated, quote, Irrespective of where Sam is, he's still working with Microsoft. End quote. We note in full disclosure that Microsoft is a CyberWire partner. The operators behind the Connie Rat have been observed using a Russian language document, Western assessments of the progress of the special military operation, as fishbait. Researchers at Fortinet report that the malicious Word document contains a dropper that installs a remote access Trojan that serves as both an information stealer and a remote code execution threat. The researchers conclude that the threat involves an advanced tool set employed by a sophisticated threat actor within a Word document using batch scripts and DLL files. The payload incorporates a UAC bypass and encrypted communication with a C2 server, enabling the threat actor to execute privileged commands. Fortinet does not speculate about targeting, but circumstantially, the intended victims appear to be Russian. Fortinet also does not discuss attribution, but Malpedia connects Connie with APT37, a North Korean cyber espionage actor whose principal targets since the group's discovery in 2012 have been South Korean political organizations, as well as Japan, Vietnam, Russia, Nepal, China, India, Romania, Kuwait, and other parts of the Middle East. Two Ukrainian senior cybersecurity officials were removed from office yesterday, resigning as they faced criminal corruption charges. The two officials, familiar to the cybersecurity and defense sectors, are Yuri Shikol, head of the State Special Communication Services of Ukraine, and Viktor Zora, the SSSCIP's deputy head. They're suspected of establishing two shell companies to rig bids for software, the excess charges for which were skimmed off by the principals. The amount alleged to have been stolen amounts to 1.7 million U.S. dollars. Both senior officials deny wrongdoing and say they look forward to vindication. Mr. Zora worked closely with U.S. officials and agencies, notably with CISA. Taiwanese crypto trading firm Kronos Research has sustained a theft of approximately $26 million after an attacker gained unauthorized access to its API keys, Bitcoin.com reports. The company stated on Sunday, quote, Despite it being a sizable amount, Kronos remains in good standing. All losses will be covered internally, no partners will be affected. End quote. Kronos did, however, halt its trading services on Saturday while it investigated the incident. The Treasury Board of Canada's Secretariat has disclosed a third-party data breach in which contractors handling information of members of the Canadian Armed Forces, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and other Canadian government employees were compromised by Lockbit. The two affected contractors were Brookfield Global Relocation Services and Serva Canada. Bleeping Computer says the compromised information goes back to 1999. While Canadian authorities didn't offer an attribution of the attack to any particular group, Lockbit, the privateering and profit-motivated Russian ransomware gang, has claimed the Serva compromise and is probably responsible for the breach at Brookfield Global Relocation Services as well. According to Bleeping Computer, Lockbit says it has 1.5 terabytes of stolen documents and that Serva declined to pay the ransom demanded. And finally, the U.S. Department of Energy is dealing with a data breach that compromised a large quantity of personal information belonging to personnel at the Idaho National Laboratory. CyberScoop reports that SiegedSec, 
has claimed responsibility for the attack. The breach has apparently affected the National Lab's Oracle HCM system. SiegeSec claims to have obtained hundreds of thousands of user, employee, and citizen data, which include names, social security numbers, bank account information, and addresses. SiegeSec hasn't said why it's hit the lab, but it has shown complicated motives in the past. It's a sometimes politically but often financially motivated threat group that describes itself as more black hat than activist. The breach remains under investigation, and the story is still developing. Coming up after the break, Dave Bittner sits down with Steve Winterfeld from Akamai to discuss emerging threats in the financial services sector. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Our own Dave Bittner sits down with Steve Winterfeld from Akamai to discuss emerging threats in the financial services sector. So today we're talking about uh, some of the threats that you all are tracking when it comes to financial services. Um, You recently put out a report on this. Can we start off with just some high-level stuff here? Can you give us a a little bit of the lay of the land, kind of where we find ourselves when it comes to folks coming at financial services Sure, yeah, and this is our State of the Internet report. Uh, We do these on both uh, financial sector, commerce sector, 
and then things like API security or DDoS. And, and so this one was focused on financial services. We actually had the FSISAC, the Financial Service Information Sharing and Analysis Center, um, kind of opened this report up. They talked about some API security recommendations, some of the DDoS challenges, because that continues to have significant impacts uh, and different financial organizations. And then some of the stuff we see coming for resiliency. And then again, we jump into our research here at Akamai. And, you know, it's it's based on our security capability. So, um, you know, we won't talk about things like endpoint security. We we protect the edge. We protect segmentation. And, and so it's, it's around things like that where we have visibility. The one that doesn't surprise me, of course, is APIs. Um, transformation is driving APIs uh, rapidly. You know, we it started with open banking in Europe. We have API here growing at 65%. Right behind that is the bot attacks. We've seen that increase over a trillion hits. That's grown at 69%. You know, still hitting that edge is DDoS attack. Last year, uh, you know, we were number, financial services were number two in DDoS this year back beating out gaming to number one in DDoS attack. So really the edge is under systematic and, you know, continuing in speed and scope and complexity attacks. You know, I, I think it's fair to say that uh, the folks in financial services industry have a reputation for being well prepared for these sorts of things. Is that your perception as well? Does, does that track with where we find ourselves? It absolutely does. I mean, they have to be because the financial services built around trust. You know, you and I both want access to our wealth. Well, I'll, I'll jokingly call what I have wealth. And so, um, you know, we have to protect that trust. Now, the, the Fortune 5000 banks have a lot of resources. The local community banks don't. You know, we're getting attacks across that entire spectrum. Uh, and, you know, we've seen this, this increase you know, a while ago, we have regional changes. So it was the U.S. was most attacked. Now, um, Europe and the Middle East and Africa, really Europe is the most attacked, growing at, at layer three, four in attacks um, because of the war in Europe. So we, we continue to see great preparation, um, but the adversary continues to come across that entire spectrum. Where do you see us heading in terms of trends with, with the organizations? I'm, I'm thinking of the kinds of things that they're putting in place to protect themselves. So it's interesting you say that because a lot of this is coming out of those transformation changes. So as, as you know, we, we've had web pages out there a long time. They're well protected. But we're moving to, you know, different environments, different methodologies of development, um, DevSecOps, uh, a lot of banks are very conservative. Some some are moving into that now. Some haven't been in as long as other industries. And so, you know, containers, APIs, uh, a lot of things that are are newer, and we don't have the same maturity of controls around that. So we're seeing, you know, shadow APIs. We're seeing API abuse. Uh, all those access controls, if you look at the OWASP top 10 for APIs, all of those are something that we see a lot of the banks focusing on. Continuing to see banks also focus, and this is really not banks, but a lot of my peers, a lot of the CSOs I'm talking to, we're shifting from protecting the edge to minimizing 
that impact, minimizing the dwell time. So ransomware, we put out a report showing that they're actually focused on, you know, making money off of threatening to expose your data. And so more and more of us are saying, how quickly can we detect somebody exfilling data? So that would be the other shift I've really seen a lot of. One of the things that caught my eye in the report was uh, the degree to which insurance companies are finding themselves a target. Um, Any insights there? So, you know, insurance and healthcare are both interesting sectors because there is a lot of fraud associated with both of those. This is the first year we broke out sub-verticals and banking being the most attacked uh, then there's kind of a mix of, of a bunch of smaller numbers, you know, fintech and, and trading and things. And then finally, insurance. And we see insurance, you know, they're, they're scraping insurance data of the members. They're trying to, uh, you know, put in false claims. So it's a mix of trying to, to attack the customer and attack the company. Uh, but the fraud in both those is just really spiking. Based on the information that you all have gathered here, what are your recommendations? So I think, you know, it it kind of follows the attack patterns we're seeing, you know. So there's there's still things that are very traditional. So the the cyber hygiene, the blocking and tackling, the basic things are very important. But then we say, you know, probably my most common conversation is around visibility, situational awareness. You know, do you know where shadow APIs? Do you know when the next zero day comes out? And we've seen, you know, actually seen threats investing in buying zero days, threat actors. And so how quickly can you detect if you have that protocol or if you're using that vendor? Uh, you know, we've talked about software build of materials. Now we have uh, SBOMs for where do we have those protocols in our environment? So how quickly can we, we do those kind of things to, to know where our threats are and have visibility? I mentioned earlier that abuse. People legitimately using your APIs in abusive ways to scrape customer data or try to aggregate a threat. And, and so how do you know what's going on there? Uh, DDoS, we've seen record numbers, you know, a, a quick review of DDoS attacking your web page at layer seven, new records being set there, attacking your infrastructure, either taking away bandwidth or taking away the, the actual CPU cycles. We've seen, you know, a great number of new and innovative threats there. And last, going after your DNS. And so with these, have you looked at all of those DDoS attacks and have you seen what the latest records are? And are you about 10% over that? This is something that, you know, we need to get our playbooks out. We need to refresh them. We need to make sure that we're well coordinating if you're using a third party as most do for DDoS and that we're not going to lose 20 minutes of downtime because we're not well coordinated. And then, you know, the last is managing attack surfaces. Uh, we talk about third party scripts. While Banking doesn't use, you know, JavaScripts as much as a lot of, say, commerce or other industries. It still could be impactful. So are we looking at that kind of an environment? Are we looking at our financial aggregators and understanding what's going on in that environment? So are we expanding our scope? Where do you suppose we stand in terms of compliance? What, what, what do you, uh, as you look toward the horizon, what are you seeing there? 
again, a lot of regional differences. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about kind of the basics. Uh, Europe is probably the number one driver. A lot of compliance coming out. So the first was around uh, things like open banking. So that drove a lot of API security. Uh, the next was around privacy, GDPR, and other things. And so that drove quite a bit of you know change on how are we managing privacy? How are we doing that? Um, we see PCI DCSF or DSS, I'm sorry, coming out with a new version that has requirements around things like your scripts, JavaScripts, and stuff like that. I think the biggest one I see coming is actually resiliency. So we have Dora coming out of the EU, and this Resiliency Act is really going to, I think, kind of come into America the same way that privacy did. We're going to start to see a lot of states looking at what do we expect for resiliency. That's another place I would encourage everybody to start to prepare. That's Dave Bittner sitting down with Steve Winterfeld from Akamai. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Ivan. Our mixer is me, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show is written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Trey Hester, filling in for Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.